What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, player? This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. More CM Punk related drama stirred up around AEW Collision. AEW's all-in event from Wembley Stadium over in London, England has now set the world record for the largest professional wrestling show of all time. Sonny, a.k.a. Tammy Sitch, has pled no contest to the vehicular manslaughter of a 70-year-old man. And Cash Wheeler, one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, arrested on aggravated assault charges. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I am your boy Seth Grimes on one of the hottest days of the summer. It's hot as balls outside. Balls stick to the side of your legs kind of hot. And so I have the air conditioning going on in the background. So if you hear it and it bugs you, fuck off because I'm not going to sit here and sweat all over camera for you. Another beautiful week in the world of professional wrestling and pro wrestling podcasts. So let's just go ahead and hop on over into it. But before we do, if I could bug you to please like, follow, and subscribe at Seth Grimes Media, Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter. And uh, give me a holla over there. But enough of all that. Hit that subscribe button down below. Let's go ahead and jump on into our first topic because we just got a lot to get into this week. It was a crazy fucking week. And you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Starting with our top story. Well, FTR Hair has gotten himself in a whole lot of trouble. Cash Wheeler, legal name Daniel Wheeler, one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR, formerly the Revival, has turned himself in and been arrested on a aggravated assault charge stemming from an alleged road rage incident. We don't know too much more about it at this time. Uh, But for all the details in much better words than I could put it myself, let's listen to Denise Salcedo over on the latest from Figure Four Wrestling Observer Radio. Check out this clip. Turned himself in late last night on a warrant by the Orlando Police Department. The charge was aggravated assault with a firearm. It's a third degree felony. We are requesting that the court set bond in the amount of $2,500 with no contact with the alleged victims in the affidavit and no possession of uh, weapons. Cash Wheeler is facing a third degree felony charge stemming from a road rage incident in Florida. As first reported by the Orlando Sentinel, 
Wheeler has been charged with one count of aggravated assault with a firearm and booked in a circuit court. Wheeler is alleged to have flashed a handgun at another person during a road rage incident on July 27th. A warrant for his arrest was filed the following day. According to county records, he pled not guilty through a lawyer on August 3rd and turned himself in on Friday morning to Orlando police. Wheeler appeared in court for a hearing on Friday afternoon. He was given a $2,500 bond, ordered to turn in any weapons he owns, and to have no contact with the alleged victim. Well, Your Honor, Mr. Wheeler appears to have no other criminal history. Um, it does appear to be a road rage type incident. Mm -hmm. He allegedly flashed a handgun at the alleged victim. Um, but given that he has no prior history and does not know the victim, the conditions that defense has laid out, so he doesn't object. AEW issued a statement in response to the news saying, AEW has been made aware of the charge and we are closely monitoring the situation. Wheeler is fully cooperating with local authorities. The company stated to the Orlando Sentinel. Yeah, this is not ideal for FTR hair, Cash Wheeler, in a lot of trouble here. This is a big problem. Now, for everybody worried about is he going to be at all in, yes, he'll most likely be at all in. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. He has not been convicted on any charges, therefore he is not a felon. He has posted bail. He's not been deemed any kind of flight risk. And it's well known that he travels for his job. He's on TV all the time. He is a traveling TV star. So Cash Wheeler will be at All In. I've even heard people say maybe he shouldn't be at All In. Maybe they should take this away from him. Punish him. Everybody always just quick to fucking burn people at the stake. We don't know all the details. We need to take a step back. Everybody breathe. Allow the legal system. When did we all become let's just hang people and burn them at the stake before we even know for a fact that anything happened? Uh, you know, when you are a gun owner, you do have the right to carry it to protect yourself in many states. And if he had it on him, obviously that's the case. Maybe he felt threatened. Maybe there was a situation. And look, I'm not sticking up for him. Maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe he was being a douchebag. And maybe he thought that the guy who cut him off deserved to have a fucking gun waved in his face. You motherfucker, you cut me off. I'll fucking oh, bang, bang you right in the mush mush. That could be too. Maybe Cash had a bad day in that clip that we saw with Denise. Uh, she pay, played a little bit from the court hearing. Cash looked pretty, uh, I mean, he wasn't happy to be there, let's say that. But he had the boo-boo face, right? Like, um, I don't know how many parents we have out there listening, but when your kids get in trouble and they're being punished, they kind of got that look on their face. Uh, Cash was about ready to be stood in the corner, you know, or get the belt whooping from his dad or some shit like that. I think he knew he fucked up. Now, uh, another question has been raised is with Cash and, and Dags being booked to be one of the biggest matches on All In, and, you know, they're, they're riding high as the tag team champions over on Collision. Was AEW even aware that this happened? This was the subject of debate on Strictly Business this week with Eric Bischoff. And uh, check out this clip and we'll catch you on the back end. 
you have to look back further because even though the arrest happened, he turned himself in as we tape this, it's Friday. He turned himself in Thursday night. The hearing suggested, as I said before, the warrant was issued at the end of July, which is two and a half weeks ago going on now. He has appeared on AEW television multiple times since then. So that tells you, Eric, one of two things happened. Either there was an arrest warrant out for him. He told Tony Khan and AEW and they let him on TV. Or there was an arrest warrant out for him and he didn't tell anybody. And he was working with that hanging over him without anybody knowing. And that obviously puts AEW in a pretty damn tough situation. I personally would be very surprised if they were aware of it. Sean Ross Sapp reported via Fightful Select that those they spoke to in AEW were completely blindsided by the news today. That itself, Eric, if you had a talent who didn't make the company aware of an arrest warrant standing out as they're about to go to the UK for a gigantic 80,000-person show, what a mess that is, is it not? Yeah, it, it's going to come down to one or two things. Either Tony made a Tony Khan made a very, very bad mistake by being aware of the situation and moving forward anyway, which I kind of doubt. Or Mr. Wheeler really fucked up. And then it's on him. And in either scenario, it's bad news. The whole thing's sad. It's disappointing. I think if there's any validity to this and, you know, Cash has pled not guilty, by the way. So this wasn't like a Sunny, which we'll talk about later, where she pled no contest, uh, which is similar to a guilty plea. We'll talk about that later. Cash pled no, uh, not guilty. So he's he's contesting this. He is contesting this. We're going to he's going to have his day in court. So I think everybody needs to back the fuck up just a little bit here. And give the man his day in court and let it all play out. Let the details. Then after that, you can fucking tie him to your little tree and throw stones at him if that's what you wish to do. Everybody wants to get everybody and cancel everybody and all that shit. You're just waiting to be able to cancel fucking FTR. Stop it. Relax. Uh, They should be at all in. I think it's bullshit for anybody to say that they shouldn't. That Cash needs to be punished for that. Uh, I mean, John Alba, Eric Bischoff, they, they they raise a good point. I mean, it's worth asking. Does, did Tony Khan know about this ahead of time? Or was Cash hiding this from Tony Khan? Certainly, if he's hiding it, I think there's got to be repercussions. But I would like to think or hope at least that Cash was up front with Tony Khan about the situation. And that uh, Tony Khan was kind enough and a uh, just wise enough, I suppose, for lack of a better term, to let it play out and just give Cash the benefit of the doubt with the not guilty plea. Let him have his day in court. And until then, business as usual. That's how I would do it. I'm not going to cancel somebody because they were accused of something. That's why we have courts. Fuckhead, that's why people go to court. You don't just burn people at the stake when you hear that they may have done something. Ooh, oh no. Cash was arrested because somebody accused. You know, we haven't seen any video proof of anything yet. And again, I'm not sticking up for him. He may have absolutely done this. 
He may have done a very, he may have been that absolute douchebag, scumbag, road ragey fucker out on the, on the road that, uh, you know, just having a bad day and it got to him. We don't know for sure the details of it, but give the man time to have his day in court and let us have our FTR versus Young Bucks 3. Of course, I do think that this does kind of indicate that Young Bucks will probably get the tag titles back as they should, and here's why. Uh, we already have the trios tag titles pretty much exclusively on Collision. And then we also have the tag team champions exclusively on Collision. So why don't we get the tag team titles back over on Dynamite, keep the trios tag titles on Collision. FTR is already, what, a two- or three-time AEW tag team champion? Maybe them, you know, CMFTR Punk or whatever can fucking go for the trios titles at some point. <clears throat> it's, uh, plus, you know, you want to keep those belts and any obligation off of FTR until, until this thing has played out. Because at the same time, when I sit here and I say... Give him his day in court. Let this play out. Let's see what happens here. We also have to be realistic and understand that this could not play out in Cash's favor. And he could get caught with a gun charge. Now, this uh, will only carry, uh, and I say only, it carries up to a five-year prison sentence in the uh, state of Florida. And uh, and or a significantly large fine. Cash being a first-time offender, uh, he wasn't drunk at the time. He doesn't have a history of this. It wasn't domestic. It wasn't anybody that he knows. Uh, there was no threats or anything like that prior to it. To this, this was just a road rage incident. And I think deep down in our souls, we all. If you tell me you've never got pissy in traffic and cussed somebody out, you're a piece. You're, you're lying to me. You're a liar, um, or you're a saint. One of the two. You know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. But uh, you know, everybody has a bad day, and it doesn't make you a bad person. Let's remember that too. But this could turn out worse for him. I don't think he's gonna end up doing any jail time. Or if he does get any sentencing, it'll be like maybe some kind of time served if he, I don't know, is awaiting a hearing or maybe just, I, I don't think he's he has said anything yet. He posted bail and was able to walk free after, you know, getting booked and everything. So uh, I think slap on the wrist here, big fine if he is found guilty to do that. Even if he did do this, we're going to have to have camera footage. I don't know unless there's other people in the car and then they can go off maybe eyewitness testimony. But unless there's video evidence, this is one guy saying that he saw Cash do this. But, you know, does Cash, did Cash have a fucking gun on him at the time? Does he own guns? Was it the gun described? All of this will come out in court, though. I'm not on the jury. I'm not anybody's lawyer. I'm just a fat, nerdy, bearded fucker sitting in front of a microphone speculating and talking, wrestling of all the silly things in the world. Um, but a bad day for Cash Wheeler, regardless of if this was something that he had done that got himself in trouble that he probably shouldn't have been doing, or if this was just something that, like, he fucking 
some assholes got it out for him or thought he saw something he didn't or threatened him. There's more to the story to be uh, unveiled, but we don't know. Let the man breathe. Let's not cancel him. And uh, let's get that fucking last match in Wembley Stadium. Are you kidding? Are you are you kidding me? You get the match in the ring first, then you can suspend him or take him off TV if you want to punish him. You don't take this match away from him. Even if you, even if you want to find him his payday for not telling you, you're going to find him secretly behind the scenes and he doesn't even get paid for Wembley, you still put him on Wembley because that's... Probably the biggest match on the show, in my opinion, at this time. So it was kind of a, a weak card, but we'll also talk about that later. I'd like to know your thoughts, though. Let me know down in the comments below. Are you one of those people who just love to cancel? Are you a Karen that's out there going, Cash got accused of something, so let's cancel him and burn him and throw rocks at him? Or are you like, yeah, man, I mean, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but let him go to court and then we'll judge after that. That's kind of where I sit on it. I like Cash. Obviously, I think a little bit of my bias is showing. FTR is my favorite tag team. They're some of my favorite wrestlers, my favorite acts uh, in wrestling today. I love their just their what they are, man. Their package, their delivery, all of it. I'm an FTR guy for sure. But uh, look, you can't just go out there waving your shit around at people and expecting not to get go to jail or get fined or have repercussions of some kind. So we shall see how it plays out. Let me know your thoughts down in those comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. You cut me off, motherfucker. Is that, is that, is that, is that in bad taste? Is it too early? It's too early. Is it too early? Boy, I'll tell you that there's nobody better at keeping themselves in the news, in the current events cycle, in the wrestling business than CM Punk. This fucking guy, every single week, every other week, it's always something with CM Punk. The continuing drama unfolds, the ever-evolving story of CM Punk Look, I've always said I'm an unabashed fan of CM Punk. Um, but, you know, after that whole all-out brawl-out thing, I took a big hit. You know, my fandom took a big hit. And I've been kind of a little bit on the fence, I suppose, of CM Punk and just kind of watching from afar. I like some of the things he's doing and then some of the other things I really don't. Um, but he is continuing to stir shit up, if you will. This was a guy that tried to stay as low under the radar when he was out of the wrestling business as humanly possible. And now he just cannot help himself but to stir shit up. Multiple stories emerging this week of CM Punk all stemming from a particular episode of Collision or possibly a couple episodes of Collision. But it all got stirred up and got people talking after this particular segment from last week's episode of Collision with CM Punk and FTR after the show having just a fun little chat with the fans out in the crowd. And one of those fans, wouldn't you know it, had a camera phone on him. Could you believe that? A phone with a fucking camera on it? 
Did they not check this man before he entered the building? Check out this clip. in the toy aisle are full of hangman action figures because nobody wants to buy them. Oh! You, you son of a bitch! He's a peg warmer. Unlike me, who moves merchandise and pops ratings and sells toys. What is a fact is the people who say that certainly aren't the chin of AEW because they, the lights go out faster than what? Than what? GTS, go to sleep. I don't know what I'm trying to do. I got locked too. I told the house, house of black no chops and the chop me some very mad. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. After everything was simmered down, it was the dust was settling, it was fucking coming to a rest. You even had Kenny Omega say somewhere, was it on Dynamite when he said, yeah, he cut the promo about re-signing the contract or whatever. He said, heck, even Collision, uh, which we haven't seen as of yet as far as them appearing on AEW content. But, uh, boy, it would sure seem like it's a work, would it not? Seems like maybe they are trying to stir something up. Of course, uh, Tony Khan was asked about the situation. He was being interviewed on the Battleground podcast. He was sitting there talking with the boys. And uh, God bless them. They tried to ask. It was the weakest, most timid, fucking pathetic (laughs) excuse for a journalistic question to ask Tony Khan. Uh, They were shaking in their boots like they were asking Vince McMahon or something. Dr. D. But uh, here they asked Tony Khan about the CM Punk comments after Collision. Check out this clip. Um, There was some we'll call it speed bumps in 2022. Those are in the rearview mirror. Um, And I think you guys have really kind of whatever you want to call it, focused or, you know, steered the ship and kind of got over those speed bumps. Um, There has been a few little rumblings going on recently. And, you know, if this is a no comment thing, we totally respect that. You know, um, uh, Mr. Punk said some words about uh, Mr. Hangman Adam Page Saturday night for collision after their loss to the House of Black. Um, any comment on that? I mean, was, uh, you know, was that planned? Is, is, are we, is, is it leading to a program? There's also, I think, uh, was it Meltzer about? I think Meltzer I think said so. uh, um, he had been denied entrance to the arena that night or something. Is there, is there any kind of clarification you can kind of give us on any of that? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. That's all we I did. I thought it was a great show Saturday night, and uh, I don't have any uh, further comment to that, but I am glad uh, people are still very interested in uh, our wrestlers and what's happening after the wrestling shows. I think uh, we'll try to have a couple great shows this week, but certainly uh, there has been a lot of interest in what's happening in AEW, uh, in and out of the ring. 
Those poor guys. Look, give me a fucking job. Put me, if you're watching this, put me on your channel. Hire me to do your interviews. I'll get the tough questions. I'll ask. I'll push. I'll pry. I'll hold him down and I'll fucking, I'll hold his eyeballs open and make him watch weird stuff until he fesses up. <clears throat> I'll get the answers. I'm a professional podcast journalist. Bless these boys' hearts. They were so, uh, uh, sir. Uh, I mean, if you if you would like to answer, you you don't have to answer. But you probably won't want to answer. But if you could humor us and even maybe thinking about answering our questions, just just, just ask them. Get to the bottom of the dirt. What's going on with the CM Punk promo? Is it a work? Is it not a work? Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful had a whole lot of information to go with this situation. And this is where all the other stuff started to leak out as well. And, of course, Meltzer and Dave Alvarez, or Brian Alvarez, Dave Meltzer, have been horrendous this week with this fucking pushing this narrative. You can hear it in their tone of voice. They are so partial. They are so anti-punk. They are so, like... A lot of anti, but we're going to analyze every little step of this. But for this, we are going to check out a couple clips from The Hump, which is the newest podcast from Sean Ross Sapp and uh, Fightful owner Jimmy Van. This was a show that they do every single week called The List and Your Boy on Wednesdays. Uh, but they were wanting to change the name and they made it. They, they call it The Hump. So now it's The Hump. Same show. And they were talking about this. Jimmy Van, the owner of Fightful, asked Sean Ross Sapp, one of the top wrestling journalists in the business right now, always gets the good scoops, to elaborate and talk about all the information that he's been getting out of the AEW locker room uh, in and around Collision, CM Punk, and the whole drama situation. Starting with the Hangman Page reaction and promo. Check out this clip. After Collision went off the air last Saturday, Punk cut that promo and Hangman Page. Now, I am not the kind of guy that thinks that everything is a work. And sure. you know you know how it is, Sean. Some people think everything is, including the Montreal Screwjob. I'm not that kind of person. But when I saw that promo, I thought it was a work at first because it came out of nowhere. And, and so I thought, oh, they're, they're going to be working together. They're working things out. Why the hell is he cutting the promo on Hangman Page? So I thought it was a work. Apparently, it wasn't. And, and this, this is the first thing that I'll ask you. Uh, I, think, I believe it was Meltzer that reported that Punk intended for it to be a joke. If he did, it was a shitty one. But apparently, he intended for it to be a joke, realized that it came out poorly, and texted Page to apologize. Have you heard anything to that effect? Yeah. I, I, I know that he did text uh, Hangman Page. And... I can tell you that in, in my interactions around this situation, it I know like I don't believe in coincidences very much because the reports that Hangman Page was told they weren't going to do the the vignette at the building or whatever it was that he was filming. But people on his side and people on Punk's side also were like he wasn't at the building to get kicked out, and we didn't know anything about that. Like, I never got it confirmed that Hangman Page was at the building, and Punk seemed genuinely confused as to the Hangman thing. That being said, 
Punk took complete responsibility for Ryan Nemeth and Christopher Daniels, which we will get into. But when people say, and they ask me, is it a work? Well, to me, a work involves two parties at least. And this was not a work. Maybe Punk was looking to work something, but Hangman wasn't. Same thing, like, like I pointed out with the MJF thing last year. Up at some point, it became that way, but unless all parties are working together, it is not a work. It is one person working or trying to work, and that's what this was. Um, Punk does want to meet with the elite. He does want to talk with the elite. You could understand why the elite wouldn't want to. There's there Again, there's a lot to unpack. So again, I go back to that promo where the elite cut on the 200th episode of Dynamite where they re-signed and they mentioned Collision by name. That that was something that they could show up on. Was that just a teaser just to troll us or was there was that a hint that they're open? Now CM Punk knows goddamn well there's cameras rolling at the end of Collision, especially because Punk and FTR always get on the mic after Collision and talk to the crowd. So the crowd has been trained, at least the smart fans anyway, have been trained to know that this is what happens after Collision and to maybe have your camera on because it's going to be fun. And it doesn't air on TV, right? You want to be the guy that gets it up on the internet. Punk knows that. Tony Khan knows that. Almost all of this could be a mastermind work. People still think Brawl Out could be a work and the fallout from all of that. Uh, whether that was or not, you know, either way, they could have came back and agreed when Punk came back to do business together, but pretend that they can't do business together. And do this fucking K. This is the new K fame. Right? And I, that's something I always give Sam Roberts credit for because he's always on the new K, the new K fame thing. But he's absolutely right. <clears throat> that's kind of something he coined, but that's what it is. It's using the internet, it's using the blurred lines of reality that because wrestling fans are so smart now. And they think they know everything, including myself. I'm not an elitist about this. I'm a mark like you guys. <clears throat> I don't believe anything I say on here. Take it all with a grain of salt. I'm talking, I'm a fucking nerd. You know, I get my news from these guys. So, it's a smart way to work, everybody. Everybody thinks they know everything. So, if you can plant things in the sheets and you can say things off camera maybe just maybe those are ways that you can build actual anticipation for a huge match um but i don't know that i'm ready to give them that kind of credit yet because even with the young bucks and ftr being such a mega huge match that we've all kind of been craving for I don't hear them really building it up to be the biggest tag team match in the history of AEW which they should so are you going to go through such an elaborate long intricate worked shoot kayfabe blurring angle 
and then just barely put it over on your actual show. It's kind of weird. So I don't know. I, I tend to think that it is real. Uh, and Punk just can't help himself, which is fine. It's funny to me. I mean, I laughed, you know. People in the crowd were laughing. You know, I think uh, in that clip you can hear somebody in the crowd going, you son of a bitch, but in like a tongue-in-cheek way, you know, like, oh, snap, you said the thing. Punk's just having fun, but it continues to be at the expense of people that are just sensitive little crybabies. I mean... If I was Hangman Page, I'd be doing the same shit with CM Punk and getting myself some attention, too. Right? I'd be shutting down Dynamite and being like, oh, CM Punk this and CM Punk that. The funny part is, is that CM Punk is also a sensitive little bitch. Just in a different way. As Sean Ross Sapp would continue, we got into a situation with Ryan Nemeth. The brother of Nick Nemeth, Dolph Ziggler. Ryan Nemeth, the Hollywood hunk, has a part-time contract with AEW. Apparently, he got himself in some heat with CM Punk and got under CM Punk's skin and showed what kind of a sensitive fuck that CM Punk is. All touchy and shit. He can't take a joke. He can dish the jokes, but he can't take them. He can dish the shots, but he can't take them. Check out this clip. Well, a lot of info has come out since that promo showed up on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, and it looks like there's still some very real issues between Punk and, and AEW and certain members of the locker room. You broke a lot of news this week on Fightful Select. Uh, summarize it for us, Sean. You, you already alluded to the, the thing about wrestlers supposedly couldn't go to collision, uh, whether it be yeah. Chris Daniels, Matt Hardy, whoever. Summarize for us about that and the Jack Perry thing. Summarize what's okay. come up lately. So I'll go through this chronologically as I learn, as we know it. After CM Punk's return promo, which by the way, him coming back also led to Ace Steel coming back to the company in some capacity. On Fightful Select right after this, I'll have details on what he's doing and not doing. But Ryan Nemeth, Dolph Ziggler's brother, who was on a part-time AEW deal, tweeted literally the softest man alive. CM Punk was asked to go to Dynamite the following week uh, because, you know, everybody involved isn't dumb. They know that the elite was going to get booed in Chicago. So bring CM Punk there instead. CM Punk in front of the locker room said to Ryan Nemeth, like, you got a problem? Do you want to go handle this in front of the locker room? And uh, Ryan requested that they go out in the hall and talk privately. And Punk was much like, we can go outside and settle it. They agreed to go into the hall. Ryan Nemeth said he was just getting heat. CM Punk's the top guy. That's what he was trying to do is get that heat. Punk said that tensions were high and that everybody was trying to move past it. I'll share my opinion after because I want this to this part, the recounting to say objective. Factual, factual, yeah. They shook hands. Nemeth said he wouldn't tweet about it anymore. That's a wrap. So fast forward to this past weekend, and I am notified that Ryan Nemeth was brought into collision and then was backstage and then is immediately sent away from collision and told that he wasn't needed and he's got a flight home. CM Punk did, he was the catalyst for Ryan Nemeth not being there and uh, said that he didn't want 
Ryan Nemeth in catering, much less wrestling on Collision. Don't know how that plays out, but then word came out that uh, he also didn't want Christopher Daniels on the show uh, because Christopher Daniels is a buddy of the Bucks and was involved in Brawl Out and breaking it up and didn't think it was fair that if Ace Steel wasn't there, that Christopher Daniels wasn't there. And uh, to be clear, Ace Steel is not allowed in the building as of now. We'll have more on that on Fightful Select after this, but... Fragile mind, fragile body, fragile ego. Look, uh, I don't think that you can talk out of one side of your mouth and take shots at Hangman Page and be like, ah, I'm just having fun, joking around, and then get all butt hurt and try to fight the fucking undercard halftime, part-time jobber guy uh, in front of everybody at that for talking shit out of the other side of your mouth. You know what you do in those situations if you're a true locker room heel or <laughs> heel. He is a true locker room heel, a Freudian slip if there ever was one, right? You know what you do if you're a true locker room leader, right? And you're a man and you're a confident man and you're self-assured. You go, "Who? Who said what, huh?" Eh. Now, if it continues, it becomes a problem, uh, like a problem problem, then yeah, you can address it. And you still don't do it in front of everybody. CM Punk, he's trying, it's an ego thing. It's a power trip. He's trying to be Mr. Macho, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Boss Man. He's trying to, he's trying to show off in front of everybody else and make a fucking statement, right? That's the only reason you do that. You fucking uh, confront him and challenge him to a fight in front of the entire locker room it's bullshit it's bullshit now that's one half of it but on the other half of it do you want Nick Nemeth in your locker room no I agree with that if it's gonna be you can brush it off and be like Nick who huh I don't care whatever if he says something, you don't need to go be a bully about it. And on the same token, you can remember that. And if this is your show and your final say, and look, here's something that a lot of people aren't, here's the angle a lot of people aren't really addressing here, is that the young bucks don't want punk on dynamite. The elite don't want punk on dynamite. They don't want his boys on dynamite. A Steel can't just show up there. FTR hasn't really been there. Though it doesn't seem like FTR and, and the Bucks have issues, uh, at the very least, not work, no issues working with each other. Maybe now, maybe it was maybe it was like Matt Jackson that fucking Cash Wheeler pulled a gun on out in the fucking... <laughs> but you get my point here. You get my point. If... if, if Dynamite's locker room is prejudice against Punk's camp. Punk's camp can be prejudice against uh, Buck's camp. You could call it petty, but you could also say you don't want drama in your locker room. You don't have to confront Nick Nemeth about, uh, or Ryan Nemeth or whoever the fuck, Joe Nemeth. 
You don't need to con- you don't need to confront the Hollywood hunk in front of everybody, but you can remember it, and you can say, "Yeah, you're you're. We don't need you on Collision. We're good without you. We'll book other people." It's fine. He's got a job over on Dynamite with his buddies, right? He gets along with them better there. That's where he belongs. He doesn't need to be here. We don't need the drama in our locker room. And that's the same with Matt Hardy. You know, Matt Hardy was allegedly also told to. Go home, or that his presence was not wanted or needed. Now, uh, you know, Matt Hardy is not a known drama king by any stretch, but he is certainly, uh, I hesitate to say his nose is completely up the ass of the Young Bucks, but uh, in the in the in the vein of the Matt Hardy podcast vernacular. I would say that Matt Hardy is half-ass brown-nosed up the ass of the Young Bucks. Um, So, yeah, get him out of the locker room, too. You don't want anybody in there that's going to be running over and trying to, you know, say shit. Oh, this is what Paul, you you want people that want to be there, people that are going to be part of the team. You don't want fucking stooges and politics and little girls that are going to tweet about you later and all that other shit so both of them are in the wrong punk overreacted as usual he's a dick like even in in that clip where he where he says uh you know the house of black chopped me i told him no chops i'm angry he said it tongue-in-cheek but you know he goes back there he's like hey guys the fuck i told you no chops punk takes this shit a little bit too seriously and he's got a big mouth and a big ego and talks a whole lot of shit for a guy that really doesn't like a whole lot of shit being talked back his direction. Somebody who's got nuts to to take him out in 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 the street if they would like to, if Punk would like to, should be the person to say those kind of things to Punk. <clears throat> Cuz I think uh Ryan Nemeth was right. He is Punk is fragile. He's weak. He's soft. Uh maybe not physically, he'll fight ya. Uh, but he's his, his ego is soft for sure. Fragile might be a better word. Uh, but we were not done there because now we get into the Jungle Boy drama. Uh, because Jungle Boy Jack Perry is not immune from the wrath of CM Punk either. Check out this clip. Shortly after that, I don't want to say shortly after that, whenever they were in Canada, Jack Perry was at Collision. He's not usually at Collision. He had wanted to do a segment where he went through real glass. Now, there were medical producers, Tony Schiavone, all said, you know, it's not a good idea. That's how you get hurt. CM Punk's belief was that he wanted to do it so he didn't have to come to work the next week. Now, I want to make this clear. I reached out to Jack Perry as well. I didn't hear back. I don't know if when Punk, you know, Punk claimed that, that he meant, well, he was just trying to film it ahead. That way he didn't have to come to work the next week or he's trying to get himself hurt so he doesn't have to come there. But it's something that he sees as a big problem within AEW and the roster. According to Punk's side, he was asked to step in and talk to Jack Perry. Now, I just want to say, this information was offered up. Like I, I asked about it, but this information was offered up. So for anybody that's like, Oh, well, funny, this comes out after. Well, I just got the details at the same time that I got the Ryan Nemeth details. So, I mean, like, 
don't know what to tell you guys. I had some people say, well, you called it an argument. And it was more of a disagreement. Well, when CM Punk says this is how we do things on Collision, and if you don't like it, don't come to Collision. Stay on Wednesdays. How, how else do you want to take that? Uh, Punk's claim was that Jack Perry was throwing a temper tantrum. Again, uh, there were plenty of people that agreed, that didn't repeat the temper tantrum thing, but said, yeah, it was an argument, and yeah, we understand you don't use real glass. And then shortly thereafter, Jimmy, uh, without us knowing that that's, that was part of the catalyst, we had reported all those guidelines that were put into place. This one I'm actually okay with. Real glass? What the fuck are you even talking about? How long have you been in the business? Actually, quite a few years. That's besides the point. You're still a group. You're, you're a newbie. Jack Perry is not in a position to just be, you know, oh, yeah, I want to use real glass. Fuck off with that shit. At least on collision, right? So Punk, you know, in Punk, uh, I guess Punk was asked to step in and, and have an opinion on that. He's like, no, we're not, we're, we are not going to do that here. So, and, and, you know, we have heard things about Jack Perry before that he's got a bit of a little bit of an attitude problem, you know. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he got kind of whiny and complainy and bitchy and pouty about that. And Punk has every right to be like, well, you know what? Fuck off of here too then, I guess. You know what I mean? We don't need you here either. If it's here's the <clears throat> the bigger deal, because there was also the story with Christopher Daniels, right? The head of talent relations. It's not even allowed at fucking <laughs> at collision, but you know he's also you know in with the box, tight with the box, and he was in that locker room. So we there could still be a legal situation that we don't know about, to where they shouldn't be around each other. Who knows? Um, but at the end of the day, if there isn't legal, even if there is legal, let's get your lawyers and all sit down at the table and go look. <clears throat> Tony Khan's got to put his balls on the table and be a boss here. And other people have said that this week too. You gotta, they should, there shouldn't even be. There's two brands; they are a separate brand. You know, there are some people that will cross over, but by all accounts, these are two completely separate shows. With mostly separate rosters and really run, you know, the locker one is the CM Punk locker room and one is the Elite locker room. And there's even to the point where there's even rumors that Punk has secret EVP powers. Which wouldn't surprise me, by the way. Uh, Chris Jericho was offered EVP powers when he was first signed to AEW. And he turned them down, <clears throat> but he's still like is an EVP, like, without title. You know, he's still heavily involved in everything. He's got Tony's ear. He's in on decisions. He runs meetings. He helps with creative. He's, uh, you know, a figurehead backstage. He's essentially an EVP without a title. Brian Danielson's taken on some responsibilities there, too. But has Punk been given... You know, when Cody left, that left essentially an opening that was there. And I would assume Tony probably learned his lesson that he just is better off not having EVPs, even though uh, Kenny and the Bucks have re-signed as EVPs. Makes me wonder if Punk had somewhere in his contract that he would have 
EVP powers to a certain extent. Similar to what Cody might have had or that Jericho has now without the title. And just has it without the title like Chris Jericho. Sounds like it because Punk runs Collision. That's his show. Two very different shows. But Tony Khan's the boss of both companies. And he needs to kind of tell them all to fuck off and work together. There's money to be made here with all parties. You get CMFTR versus the Elite. That's one way you can absolutely go here. Uh, Punk and Hangman one-on-one at All In or All Out would be fantastic. That'd be a really good way to start. But there's no reason to not do this. Let you put your egos aside. You can't just start a whole separate show and just think that you can maintain completely separate rosters, put them in different sides of the building, different locker rooms, different times of the day, <coughs> and essentially run two different companies at the same time just to appease everybody's egos. Be the biggest ego in the room. Tell everybody, shut the fuck up. You work for me. Go work. To first. Find somewhere else you can work where you can, you know, tell the boss what to do. Go ahead. Look for it. You know, and make this kind of money and have this kind of television exposure and so on. I think that would shut everybody up real quick. Because even the Young Bucks going to WWE ain't going to go over there and start making demands that SmackDown's their show and that nobody else can go over there. CM Punk sure as fuck ain't going to do that either. <clears throat> Punk and has kind of has fuck you money. Maybe not. There was a rumor that he, you know, he might have needs the paycheck. Uh, I don't know about all that though. Punk should be relatively wealthy and have fuck you money. So uh, he, maybe he's it's easier for him to walk away altogether and just not come back and do wrestling. But we don't need the divide. Let's just put your balls on the table. Let's get everybody together. Hey, let's work together, bury it. You don't got to like each other. You don't got to hang out. We'll keep you on separate shows still even. We'll do all that. But this meh, 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 back and forth has to stop. And let's get a match in the ring. And if you guys want to throw a few live rounds, go for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, let's make some money and put on a good show for the fans because that's why we're all here and in this business. And when you look back at your childhood and you remember all the great storylines and everything, you'll know that if you were a kid watching this and knowing all of this, that you would want nothing more to see that. Pull your heads out of your ass. Do some good business. Let's put on a show. Tammy Sitch, a.k.a. Sonny. WWE's very first diva, the most downloaded woman in the year 1996. One of my childhood crushes. I'll freely admit that. Sunny was one of the prettiest girls I've ever seen in my life when she was younger. And uh, really did a lot of things to bring me into manhood, if you will. And I know I'm not the only one out there. Uh, but not so much nowadays. Sonny has been on a collision course with rock bottom ever since departing the WWE. Ever since Sable took her spot, essentially. Sable came in. She was the newer, shinier toy. And I think Sonny is a more beautiful woman than Sable. I never really thought Sable was all that. She's a little too hard for me. A little too, you know, tone, I guess. 
beefy, fake. Eh. Sunny just looked like the girl next door. Uh, she was anything but the girl next door. She was like from the movie The Girl Next Door more than anything. Uh, oh, boy. But Sunny, of course, was about a year ago now, right? That She had gotten herself arrested for drunk driving and crashed into the back of some old man's car at a stoplight. And the man ended up dying. And, of course, if you think about it, you'd have to be hit pretty hard, even if you are a 70-year-old man. You'd have to be hit pretty goddamn hard in the back of the car. You'd have to be crashed into pretty goddamn hard. Sonny had to have been going a significant speed to have been able to essentially uh, end this man's life upon impact. And it's sad, too. It's a, it's a sad thing that this happened, but everybody kind of saw it come in. Uh, one person in particular who had spent some time around Sonny, and I uh, will vouch for this is something he just kind of was in the cards for Sonny all along, and is maybe the best thing for Tammy is Dutch Mantel. Check out this clip from his podcast, Storytime with Dutch Mantel, talking about Tammy Sitch's uh, plea as she has pled no contest. Then on the backside, we'll talk more about it and more about the, the plea, the no contest, and what kind of trouble she's looking at. I, I like Tammy, but she's going to, and I've said this, she's going to kill somebody, and she did. And the reason she should be put away because she will kill somebody else or she will hurt somebody else or she'll kill herself, which is probably the, I, I don't want to wish that on anybody, but she has to be protected from herself. And also we got to protect people just driving around, going to the store. And she knows this and she can bitch and moan. And, but I, I don't have any sympathy for her whatsoever. Here was a guy. Who got up one morning? He's a grandfather, 75 years old, driving down somewhere. And all of a sudden, here comes Tammy out of the blue. What town was this in Florida? It's on the beach somewhere. Um, well, he, I, I think it was like uh, Volusia County, was the uh, county where I presume it happened or where the court was. Is that not right? Yeah, well, yeah, Volusia. I don't know where it is exactly. Okay. But he's sitting there, and here she comes, drunker than hell or doped up or whatever. And she hits him in the back and kills him. And now she had to be going 30, 40, 50 miles an hour. And he was stopped at a traffic light. So, and if he hadn't had a traffic light, she would have went through that and could have hit somebody else. That's what prison is for. Sometimes prison is to protect people from the person they put in jail, not for their punishment, but it's to protect people in her case. I think that's definitely what they're thinking of. They need to put her out. And if they give her 20 years, I, I have no problem with it. Now, I don't know how old she is. She's about 50, right? Around that age, yes. Uh, Volusia County is also just, just north of Orlando, by the way. Okay. Well, so I, I know it was somewhere in Florida, but I have no sympathy for And this is not the first time. This has happened 
six or seven other times. And I don't know why she wasn't put, put in jail before. So whatever happens to her, it's out of my hands. But I, I think she needs to get some serious time out of this. And if they just give her 10 years, I'm going to actually be disappointed, really. Because 10 years, hell, she could kill a couple more people. Yeah, she deserves what she gets. She's been arrested multiple times and still has not learned her lesson. This wasn't her first rodeo. This wasn't an oops, I messed up, I'll never do it again. This is Sonny's M.O., I should say Tammy, whatever. Um, she. This is something, she's just been a fucking car crash her whole life. Uh, honestly, ever since, you know, she's been in the WWE, she was trouble. Causing sleeping around in the locker room and shit like that. And all the poor things she did to Chris. And then the drugs. And then just one thing after another. And look, it's sad. I don't I, I don't wish harm upon her. But it's kind of like Dutch said. I think this is, this is good for her. This is what she needs. Now, uh, she's looking at up to 25 years in prison. And she's 50 years old now. Or 50-ish, 50-something. So she's not going to get out until she's 70, 75, perhaps, at max. Now, will she get the full 25? I think she should. Probably not, though. She pled no contest. So I, I am not a lawyer. I give no legal advice here. Um, but I did research as I am a podcast journalist, and here's what I came up with for you. So a no contest is essentially the same as a guilty plea as far as an omission to guilt. Uh, that's essentially the difference. When you plead guilty, you're saying, yes, I did it. I am guilty, and that leaves you liable for the whole thing. When you plead no contest, you're accepting the charges, you're accepting the accusations, but you are just, eh. You're not saying you didn't do it, I guess. You're just saying, eh, I'm not going to, I'm not contesting the charges. You are not admitting guilt. So essentially what this does, first of all, this is often offered as a plea deal, right? So this is to plea down. You're facing up to a whole lot of time in prison, why don't you plead to this so we can get this whole thing wrapped up, get you off to jail, and we'll give you a nice lower sentence. And uh, it also does give her protection from future civil lawsuits. Though I don't know that that's ironclad, but uh, typically families can also come and try to sue you after the fact. You know, the family of this gentleman their kids or whoever the fuck can come and be like, you know what? I also want to sue you for a million dollars. And because you admitted that you were guilty and responsible for his death, you will probably have to pay it. But when you plead no contest, you did no such thing. You did not admit that you did anything. You simply just didn't argue the charges or accusations either. Um, so it's going to be a lesser charge. I, I I think she needs at least 10 years out of this, right? This cannot be a slap on the wrist, two years, three years, and you're out. She killed a man. She killed a man. Uh, and she's a repeated offender. They sh this is a perfect example of throw the book at you. 
Um, but with the plea and everything, I, I would hope she gets at least 10 years. That's what I would like to see. 15 with possibility of parole in eight. Something similar to that. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But uh, I do think she needs some serious time. I think Dutch is 100% correct for her own good, for the public's safety. She won't learn. She needs to be. She's There's no rehabilitating this woman. You just got to. Just gotta rip the band-aid off and, and, and that's what prison's for sometimes. So as Dutch said, to kinda protect us from her. her. Her from herself. It's sad though. It's sad to see that we've come to this. Um uh, I never like to see these fall from grace type things, especially with people from my childhood. And especially with the wrestling business. Every single one of wrestling has fought so hard. To crawl out of the depths of the just it's just one thing after another, right? You know, um, Owen Hart's death and steroids and Chris Benoit, and it's just never ends. So, Jimmy Snuka's murder, just there's so many bad stories, and even the Vince McMahon scandals now, wrestling just gets a really nasty rap. So uh, the more bad publicity that it ends up getting, the worse that it is for the business. So this is definitely not good, but uh, hopefully justice will be served. And, and Tammy can, she she's proven that she's not willing to change or be helped. So now she just needs to live her life where she can't hurt people anymore. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below, though, if you got a different take on it or you just want to add to my thoughts or you want to opine on the many of uh, time spent in your bedroom coming into a sack and throwing it under your bed, staring at the sunny poster that you took seven hours to print off of your printer. AEW's all-in event in London, England at the historic Wembley Stadium has now become a historic event in itself for professional wrestling. It has now set the record for being the all-time highest attendance for a professional wrestling show. There are more tickets distributed for this event than any other pro wrestling show on the planet. And there are some caveats to that that we will get into in a moment here. Uh, but first, for more details, check out this clip from Tranquilo Club. Uh, it's a YouTube channel that does some great little uh, short little video essay projects. Real good work over there. And uh, they went ahead and broke down this historic occasion for us. I'll catch you on the flip side. 80,846. Per WrestleTix, this is the number of tickets distributed for AEW All-In at Wembley Stadium, meaning All-In has now surpassed WrestleMania 32 in tickets distributed. Come August 27th, AEW will officially hold the record for the most attended wrestling event in all of history. A huge congratulations to Tony Khan and everyone at AEW for pulling off the impossible. Even I, a very enthusiastic AEW fan, couldn't imagine them filling up Wembley Stadium and breaking the all-time attendance record, but they did it. 
You'd be surprised at the number of comments I've gotten on my past videos that claimed WrestleMania 3 had over 90,000 fans and how WrestleMania 32 had over 100,000 fans. It's 2023 guys, those numbers are fake. WWE fakes their attendance numbers for quote unquote entertainment purposes. They've admitted this themselves time after time, so stop coming into my videos with that WWE propaganda bullshit. Now more than ever, I've seen people move the goalposts in ways that are predictable yet sad. Of course, most sane people don't count the New Japan WCW joint show Collision in Korea. That was a show where people were forced to attend or face execution. Excuse me for not wanting to count that show, but even if you're completely insane and you do want to count Collision in Korea, AEW will still hold the record for largest paid attendance ever for a wrestling event. Then there's the mental gymnastics of touting WrestleMania attendance over two nights. Hats off to WWE for their great attendance over two nights, but we're talking about individual crowd size, not accumulative crowd size. There's a reason why WWE has been touting selling over 90,000 tickets for WrestleMania 40. It's to try to discredit all in. Well, guess what? 90,000 over two nights equals to 45,000 per night. Because again, we're talking about individual crowd size for a single event. Well, part of that don't you guys get? I'm tired of the misinformation and goalpost moving that we've seen for an accomplishment this massive that the entire wrestling industry should be celebrating. A five-year-old entity now holding the all-time paid attendance record is completely unheard of in any sport or form of entertainment, let alone wrestling. So, according to WrestleTix, we have the available tickets for this event remaining of 4,626. A current setup capacity of 85,472, and they have distributed 80,846. Uh, and then it says plus 790 since last update. I don't know if that includes or, or what. I, I ain't here to do math. But this has passed the previous 80,709 number. That was set by WrestleMania 32. That is absolutely fucking phenomenal. Now, there are a couple caveats to this, so let's address those before we get into the meat and potatoes of this and all of my opinions and such. Uh, first of all, the, um, the tickets distributed. Now, this is uh, according to Dave Meltzer. That uh, he kind of broke down the distributed versus the unit sold. Check out this clip. They did pass uh, 80,709 uh, tickets yesterday, um, you know, which was uh, whatever. You know, it was that was the goal. You know, I mean, they they hit the last goal. So, um, you know, the, the show hasn't been heavily papered as far as we can tell because if there were a ton of freebies out there you know we would know you know because believe me not only do they have so many enemies that would want it out but um you know it just word gets out you know when something's being papered i mean there have been shows where you know we have known you know with AEW when it's when it's a lot of free tickets and usually it's not but there have been there have been shows that where there are where there have been like the um the las vegas pay-per-view you know for example i mean we knew this one i mean and that was still only like 1500 mm -hmm. this one i'm not hearing but i don't know you know again i don't know exactly what the paid was other than um last i heard the paid was 73 
which is a fantastic number. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, whatever it is, you know, if it's if it's the biggest paid attendance in history, then wonderful. If it's the third biggest paid attendance in history, it's still wonderful. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's far, far, far more successful than not anyone because there were absolutely were people who predicted it would it would sell out. You know, but most people, you know, were were between 30 and 50 and many under 20. So it blew away. And and I know what Tony's number was because he and I discussed it and it was 50, you know, so it, it's going to be, you know, 60% above his projections. Um, so, I mean, he's blown away. Everyone's blown away. So the event is papered a little bit, not significantly. It's not like we're just handing out tickets to everybody here. This number is sold tickets. They've sold into the 70-plus thousands of tickets. They've made so much filthy, dirty money off of this, it's not even funny. And then they're going to go there and sell all kinds of merch and do all kinds of cool shit. This is huge, huge for AEW. Now, it is also not necessarily the most attended wrestling show of all time, as technically that record falls with the Collision in Korea event that Ric Flair and Muhammad Ali were at over in North Korea. However, the caveat to that is, uh, can you count an event that was attended because you had to be there at gunpoint? I mean, if it's a choice between they're going to murder you in your sleep or drag you out into the streets... And shoot you or hang you or burn you or blow you up or eat you for dinner. Because they're all hungry over there. Or go to the wrestling show. I mean, do we really count those numbers? I don't. I don't think that should be counted. But technically, I think what was that? Like into the 90,000s or 100,000? Legit. So that was technically the highest attended wrestling show of all time. But most of those people had never even heard of pro wrestling. It was just something to make North Korea look good. So it's really how many people can the North Korean government shove into a stadium to use as propaganda for how awesome their country is. These are not wrestling fans going to a show willingly. So as far as that is concerned, AEW did it. Now, look, uh, we already know that, you know, with John Cena coming out at, what was that, Money in the Bank, where he came out and was like, you know, we need to bring WrestleMania to London. You know they're trying to steal some stank from AEW. It's the same with the announcement of their tickets, like uh, Tranquilo Club video clip said, that, you know, they're trying to, oh, we sold this many tickets for WrestleMania. Eh. You're playing with the numbers. What you're trying to do is you're taking, trying to take the piss. And look, more power to it. Uh, you know, I almost did a clip. I didn't, but Booker T was kind of had a segment on his pod this week where he was kind of talking about, you know, is is it a wrestling war out there? And he's under the impression that it definitely is. And this is one of those things. WWE plays these little dirty tricks. You know, AEW hits this significant milestone with their arena show. So WWE, you know what? They come out and they have John Cena announce that they want to do a WrestleMania there. Everybody buzzing about that and not buzzing about All In. And then they say, they come out and say they sold more, all these tickets for WrestleMania in Philly. But they don't mention that it's for the two-day event. Not just, you know, they just say, oh, tickets sold for WrestleMania. They're, They're playing with us. Now... I have no doubt in my mind that WWE will 
beat that record. Uh, they won't. They won't have it. They will insist on beating that record. So you can look for them to want to do some kind of show somewhere along the way, be it a WrestleMania or something different, where they're going to try to find a stadium and cram it with more people than all in. Probably at Wembley itself. I think that might be the goal. Just let's just go to Wembley and do, put more people there than they did. That's what I would do if I was WWE, and it's good. It's healthy for the business. Fine. I'm all for it. It doesn't take anything away from AEW. The significance of this event is should not be discounted. I don't care how much you hate AEW. You can't sit and you can't piss in their Cheerios on this. They, they sold 70-plus thousand tickets. <clears throat> Meltzer had also said in that same uh, clip that Tony Khan's goal was 50,000. That was the internal. That's what we would like to hope to be able to do at this arena is 50,000 people. They're going to have 80,000. 85,000 is what it's set up for. They'll probably get all 85 in there. They only got 4,000 tickets left to sell. I mean, maybe they don't sell them all. You know, all in is only like, what, a week away, but. 4,000, that's like three TNA shows, right? So, I mean, that's a lot of people. Four, five, six TNA shows. Still a lot of people, but, you know, they very well could sell that out. But even if they don't, they have unlocked, you know, or the Xbox people will uh, achievements unlocked or whatever. Trophy, you know, the little fucking thing. You get what I'm saying. This is huge. This is historic. This is something that should not be discounted. Now, I'm disappointed as fuck with the card. This was a very shitty card, and this pisses me off about Tony Khan, to be honest with you. I don't care if they have a pay-per-view the next week. They knew they had a pay-per-view the next week. Don't give me a goddamn Rampage show. <clears throat> Collision. Super show. It's all fucking weird tag teams and like they're not significant. It gets everybody on the card, lets the people in attendance see all the stars. Everybody gets to be on the show and get a payday and whatnot. But there's no significance to six man and eight man matches unless it was CMFTR versus the elite. And it's not. Young Bucks versus FTR is a brilliant one. Despite everybody trying to cancel Cash Wheeler before he's had any kind of conviction on a not guilty plea. So fuck off with that. One way or another, guilty or not. He has not been proven guilty or not. So he gets to go to All In and he gets to wrestle FTR and have a or Young Bucks and have a fantastic match there. And I hope they do. And that's a, that's a main event if I've ever saw one. Uh, Adam Cole and MJF is a little mad to me. I don't take Adam Cole seriously anymore. I, I hate to say it. I used to love Adam Cole. Uh, I'm not a body shamer or a guy that thinks everybody needs to look like Brian Cage. But you do need to, if you're a professional wrestler on TV in your spandex underwear... Have some muscles and definition and like go to the gym as a general like hobby. 
Is that too much to ask? If your profession is a professional wrestler, can you go to the gym? Could you? Even in Eddie Kingston. You know, this is fucking belly and shit. I'm not one to complain. I mean, you know, I'm, very, I'm Eddie Kingston-esque. But he can work on the on the pipes a little bit even still, right? Like... So I'm not as huge. It's been a it's a popular storyline. I'll give him that. So I guess you know it's one of the biggest AEW storylines going into that event. I don't know that it just screams. It's good, like in the context of AEW currently, it's a hot angle. So fine, but it it, it does kind of it doesn't scream marquee main events megastars. Um, and putting them on in a tag team match earlier, unless they're shooting an angle, which I think is what they are doing. I don't like that either, even if it's on the zero hour. Punk and Samoa Joe, I mean, that's fine. It's a good little banger of a match, but is it a stadium match? Is that what you wanted to see in the stadium? Maybe. Maybe. I'll give you that. Beyond that, though, it's a bunch of what? Six mans. You got the stadium and you got the, the, the stadium stampede fucking anarchy in the stadium arena. Whatever the fuck it's called. It's stupid. I'm over the Blackpool Combat Club. I'm over the whole just gang warfare brawls all over the place and violence. Claudio has been used like shit. He should be out having banger wrestling matches, and instead he's fucking back up for Mox in all these these bloody douchebag fucking meat market matches. Wheeler Yuta is is unfortunately like Jim Cornette says, he's Wheeler useless. He's a charisma vacuum. I don't care. And Brian Danielson's hurt, and I uh, was significantly bringing him down as well. AEW has a bad habit of taking stars like a Brian Danielson. And making them completely boring and useless. And, and, and not worth watching. Uh, another bad one. Sting and Darby Allen versus some whoever the fuck. I don't even remember. doesn't matter. <clears throat> Why? Why can't Sting have a solo match at this show? Why can't it be his last match? Maybe, okay, he had mentioned in a recent interview that Tony Khan had said that the way that you work, Sting, and the way that we need you and use you, you don't necessarily ever have to retire. But uh, I would have liked to see Sting get a one-on-one -on -one match here. But, eh, is what it is. At least he's going to be there in action, right? What are they facing? Swerve and AR Fox? Is that it? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's underwhelming. It's underwhelming, to say the least. And I like Swerve. AR Fox leaves a little bit to be desired, in my opinion, but eh, underwhelming. And then you got, uh, what else we got on this fucking card here? This fucking card here. Four-way girls match. Eh. Why has it got to be a four-way? Let's, let's do a one-on-one. -on -one. Let's do Soraya. Well, Tony Storm's actually doing some sweet shit lately. So maybe 
Okay, maybe the four-way there, but I'm not huge on four-ways, but maybe I'll, I'll give him that one. Kenny Omega with fucking Kota Ibushi and, and who used to have abs and now he doesn't. And, and just, eh. Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. This is horrible use of Will Ospreay. Chris Jericho is not a guy, fun guy to watch in the ring anymore. I like Chris Jericho. I am not a Chris Jericho hater. I think his best role at this point is character work in the ring. He's not a work rate guy. He's not a work rate guy. He's not a five-star clinic banger kind of guy. Chris Jericho is a punch-kick angle kind of guy. Shoot an angle, do something fun in the match. Hulk Hogan ask, play the crowd. Do your fucking. He shouldn't even be doing the moonsault anymore because I'm always worried he's going to land on his neck or something. But it, to put him in there with Will Ospreay, he's going to bring Will Ospreay down. <clears throat> Jericho, and again, I'm, I'm a fan of Jericho's. This is coming from a place of love. But I can see Chris Jericho wanting to. Think that he can be on the level of work rate with Will Ospreay and wants to go for his own five star fucking clinic, or he's gonna bring Will Ospreay down, which Will Ospreay does not need that kind of exposure. You know, in Wembley Stadium, in, in Will Ospreay's home country. Will Ospreay needs a, a showcase match where he can show off his skills. And though working with Chris Jericho is certainly a marquee match. It's a big name to work in a big stadium in your home country. The match is going to look like shit. <clears throat> Sorry. I'll be happy if they prove me wrong. But we all know the match is going to look like shit. Sorry, that's disappointing as well. So, underwhelming card lineup, but it's <clears throat> still going to be a historic event nonetheless. But I would have rather a lot of different things happen on that show, and I would have fantasy booked it quite differently than the way it turned out. But what the fuck do I know? It's not my promotion going to Wembley Stadium. I'll tell you that. What are your thoughts? Are you looking forward to the matches? Are you happy with the matches? Are you pissed about the matches? Um, do you have anything to say about the attendance? Do you think uh, you believe WWE's fake numbers? Do you count the one in North Korea still, even though it was at gunpoint? Let me know all of your thoughts, all the thoughts down in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next biatch. Well, it was another episode of Ask Bruce Anything over on Something to Wrestle this week. Or as Bruce likes to put it, Ask Bruce Questions and Shit. And that's exactly what people did. People wrote in, emailed, whatever the gimmick is, and asked Bruce the questions. And one of these questions was asking Bruce about his thoughts on the Marty Jannetty episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring, just a small little sidebar here, I think has 
not been great this year. Uh, I did like the Doink the Clown episode, but other than that, I thought it was, uh, I think there's, he feels like they're running out of shit to talk about. And it is, they are negative. And that is difficult to deal with. And that uh, was uh, what triggered Bruce Pritchard here as he went on quite the rant about Dark Side of the Ring after quickly answering the question about Marty Jannetty. Check out this clip. How much truth is there to what Marty Jannetty said during the Dark Side of the Ring about Vince giving him another big push? <laughs> And a million-dollar deal in 2006 when they brought him back after the third time, and then he got arrested again. That would be false. Yeah, I kind of thought maybe. Nothing about that statement's true. Did you see the whole episode? I, man, you know, I, I can't watch those things. I get I, it. I, I think I, I think that they that they that they just dwell on negativity and, and lies and bullshit and hearsay. And they, they exploit that. And it's so much of it is based on, you know, the rumor and innuendo and, and just complete 100% bullshit. And the producers do not, do their they do their homework to the extent that satisfies them when you dispute their homework and give them facts that don't support their story and their narrative they choose to ignore it and that is why i have not done anything since the first ones that i did for the first season and i will never do anything with them again because i i do not i do not like the way that they present stories because they're only looking for negativity to exploit. And in my old age, I learned there's a lot more than negativity, man. You know, why not exploit some positive messages and some good shit? Well, and, because it's called dark side of the ring, not happy side of the ring. Well, okay. But it's the same. you know what else it should be called? What? The lies of the ring. Because a lot of what they what they present as fact are 100% bullshit, unsubstantiated lies. And when given facts, they choose to ignore them. Poor Marty Jannetty, by the way. Forever being referenced as the Marty Jannetty of the tag team, right? Jimmy and Jey Uso, who's going to be the Marty Jannetty? Who's going to be the Shawn Michaels? Poor guy, but that was a—I mean—a Marty Jannetty episode. Come on, we're we're stretching now. We're stretching. We're, we're scraping the bottom of the wrestling barrel at this point. Uh, look, I don't disagree with Bruce's opinions on this. Now, a lot of this is coming from the fact that Bruce works for the WWE now, and he's got a quite an opinion on anything that's going to make wrestling look bad, WWE look bad. He's got the corporate stance on lock. He's a pro at this kind of stuff, right? Uh, not to mention he was on the first season of Dark Side of the Ring, but I, I don't know that it's the same show that it used to be. There's been a lot of great episodes, and you could definitely pluck together some amazing, like, top ten, like a top ten list. But 
I, I don't know that there's much more longevity here. I think the ratings are probably there, but the stories are, I, they just, yeah. The doink one was good. I'll give them that on the doink. But, and I don't like to live in that negative, I mean, like news, you keep tabs on it because you have to if you're smart anyway. But I try not to dwell or, or you know, get too into the weeds or, or read X comments or Twitter comments or whatever the fuck you want to call it. You just got to, like, stay in your own lane. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so Dark Side of the Ring. But look, that's the story of the show. That's the pitch. That's what it is. It's the dark tales. Unfortunately, wrestling, like especially with WWE and Bruce being such a big part of WWE, has tried to distance itself from everything dark that has to do with wrestling. So uh, that seems to be his take on it, and, and I don't disagree with him. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring is a fantastic show, though, overall. Like when you look at the history of it, like I said, there's a lot of great episodes, and I think it was... It's a good plus for the wrestling business still, even though it's a lot of negativity. It told a lot of fun stories, and it's a good piece of wrestling history. You know, they really documented uh, a lot of some of uh, a lot of the lore. I guess would be the best way to put it for professional wrestling. You know, some of those stories that live in infamy. But there's a lot of a lot of stinkers out there too, and just a lot of trash. So. And it didn't, wasn't feeling this season. What else did we have? We had Chris Candido. Uh, there's one on Sunny coming up. It may have already aired by the time I record this. Uh, I'll have to check on that. But needless to say, man, uh, I don't know if they'll be back for another season or not. But this was a fun little episode, too, for Bruce Pritchard uh, for something to wrestle. A lot of fun questions on there. Great story about Vince McMahon driving in the rain. Uh, 100 miles per hour, can't see through the window, laughing his ass off. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, great shit. But uh, what are your thoughts? Let me know down in the comments below. What did you think about that? And uh, just anything else at all? Did you watch the episode uh, Something to Wrestle? And just, just leave a fucking good, put your dick size down in the comments. I don't care. Just interact with me. Just interact. America's favorite emo frontman Billy Corgan was on Insight with Chris Van Vliet this week talking about the good old NWA promotion, specifically the big two-night event that it was is promoting, was promoting. I'm not here to plug the date. I don't know when it is. Uh, two-night show. Billy seems obsessed with that. We'll touch on that later. Uh, for NWA, Billy really talking up the NWA, standing behind his choices in uh, who he's pushing. People like EC3 and Tigress and fucking Trevor Murdoch and these kind of guys. Camille. But then also uh, made a strong pitch for his belief that the wrestling community as a whole, all these other smaller promotions need to band together to do one big super event two days a week or two, two days in a row. I should say two days a week. 
Um, two nights in a row, a two-day event with every single wrestling promotion, or at least all the majors, getting together to uh, for one giant show to push back against the big corporate machine of Endeavor, UFC, and the WWE, and uh, unite all the fans and, and make a shit ton of money. Uh, there's only one problem with that. We'll talk about that when we get on the other side. Check out this clip with William Patrick Corgan. Tonight. As a critic from the outside, because I can walk both sides of it, is wrestling is passing up a tremendous opportunity. And by the way, now that WWE is being sold to Endeavor, you now have a $21 billion company with UFC over here and WWE over here. So that puts even more pressure on everybody else that's not in that ecosystem. Yeah. And whether you want to start with Tony and work your way down or New Japan and work your way down, it doesn't matter. Whether it's Scott Demore or Billy Corgan or Tony Con we're all faced with this Goliath. Yeah. We, we we will see marketing like you've never seen. We will see, I mean, you can't even imagine what they're going to do. I mean, they're licking their chops. They are about to run the fight game for the next 30 years. Yeah. Between the, so, I mean, so, again, somebody who's not worried about the ego of it goes, well, why wouldn't you put all these things together and create something that they can't, the Goliath can't mess with? Yeah. So if that sounds self-serving, Go ahead. I'm just pointing out, it's like the king has no clothes. It's like, does anybody see what's possible? Would you be interested in an event where the top wrestlers not signed to WWE once a year would be in the same building? Of course. And I think that the answer from every wrestling fan is yes. Hell yeah. Okay. Would it make sense if it was a two-day event? Sure. Okay. Sign me up. Don't you think it's possible that you could take the top talent from every company and put that together in a way that would be every media would have to cover it. It there's it would be unmistakable. It would sell out a stadium, no problem, for two nights, no problem. It would be a destination event, whether it was in Vegas or Green Bay, Wisconsin. If anyone could do it, I think Billy Corgan could bring. No, this no, together. I, I don't have that. I don't. No, you it's, could talk to Tony. You could talk to Scott. No, Tony, Tony don't want to talk to me about it. Um, <laughs> Again, and I'm going back to the, let's call it the more respectful side of the conversation. Tony's worried about Tony. Scott's worried about Scott. Billy's worried about Billy. You know, every, every, I, Pumpkins. Cool. everybody could do what they want to do. I, I'm not the little kid in the corner begging. I don't need anybody's help. NWA is completely self-funded. I don't have any partners. I don't need anybody's permission. So everything we've talked about is basically the NWA being its own ecosystem in its own world. So if that's all we ever that are, that's fine. I think it's a disservice on a business level and to the fans to not put something together that the Goliath over here. Mm. And trust me, if you thought WWE was powerful before, you have no idea what's coming now. Yeah, that's a really good idea, Billy. Uh, if only somebody could do just a really massive show to really just counteract the WWE's big shows, you know? WWE's always out doing these stadium shows, these huge stadiums. They're always selling 50, 60, 70,000, 80,000. 
If only somebody could do a stadium show with all the biggest stars not signed by WWE that could counteract the WWE and do tremendous business and get all these news article attentions from, say, like Forbes magazine and things like that. If only, Billy, that's such a great idea. If only somebody would think of that. You know, because WWE is so international now and business is worldwide. It would be nice if somebody thought on a worldwide global level, right? You know, like a stadium show in another country or something. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if somebody had the forethought like you, Billy, to do that. And if only they could just join forces with Billy Corgan and the NWA and all the other indie promotions together, they could possibly achieve it. And look on top of that, what about, you know, a show where you get all your favorite dream matches? Interpromotional, like a, uh, you know, like a forbidden door or something, where there's just, you know, people coming in and out of this proverbial forbidden door facing each other. You get my point, right? I'm beating a dead horse here. You get you get where I'm going with this. Billy is preaching to the motherfucking choir. He's pitching shit. And, and you heard it in a nutshell when, when Chris was like, oh, I'm sure you're Billy Corgan. You could get this done. He's like, ah, Tony doesn't want to hear from me. Uh, why would he? It's not even like, I don't know if they've had any kind of falling out over business or disagreements or whatever. Uh, but outside of that, like, what? To what benefit would it be for Tony Khan to pair up with the NWA at this point or any other promotion outside of New Japan to do a super, like, he's already doing a stadium show. It's already happening. Maybe in the United States, perhaps. That's a fair point. You can push back and say that, but Billy did even mention that, you know, how WWE's going global now, and it's a global market, and blah, 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 blah. Not to mention the Forbidden Door show, where New Japan people will wrestle. We had some amazing dream matches on the last card. So really what Billy is saying is it would be nice if we were a part of these big things, too. We being Trevor Murdoch in his flannel shirt and his chew spit. Or EC3. Trouble, 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 trouble. Well, this control your narrative. Shit. Braun Strowman. And don't forget Tyrus. Big Tyrus. Big T. I actually don't mind Tyrus at all, but he's certainly not like... You know what All In and Forbidden Door are missing? Trevor Murdoch and Tyrus. That's what those shows need. Then it's a fucking super show. And one of those guys will have to go over one of your guys. So let's put Trevor Murdoch over Kenny Omega. And then or we'll put Tyrus over Kenny Omega. And we'll let fucking Darby Allen beat Trevor Murdoch. Okay? Okay? Good. What are we doing here, guys? What do you think? What delusional world does Billy Corgan live on where he thinks that the NWA has anything to contribute to AEW at this point? That they're not, it's two completely different levels. AEW is doing a stadium show with A. They just set the record. 
They need fucking EC3 on their card. Now, it would be cool to get Matt Cardona involved. I think Matt Cardona is doing the best work in, in some of the best work in wrestling, as a matter of fact. Uh, as a matter of fact, check out this clip. He recently had his match at GCW. They had a death match. I didn't see it. But this clip is making its rounds, and I popped so hard for this. Still got a boner now. Check out this clip. That's fun, and Matt Cardona is a great guy out on the indies. But overall, like the rest of the wrestling world outside of New Japan has nothing to offer AEW or the greater wrestling televised stadium wrestling market. They already got a working relationship with Mexico's too. Vikingo is one of their big dudes over there, right? Their top stars. And and Panta is too, and they're in AEW, and and so it's a very interpromotional show already. It doesn't need your washed up hillbilly redneck studio wrestling Damian Sand. It doesn't need Damian Sandow. We don't need Aaron Stevens on the All Out card to really make it something special. Look, man, if you really want to, if you want to sell two days in the stadium, we need Aaron Stevens on the show. Does Billy understand? Does he understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? <coughs> Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <coughs> that's not black voice. That's an impression of an actual quote from a movie. Um, <laughs> we're way off track here. I like Billy Corgan. I'm not even trying to mock the guy or make fun of him or anything. I like Billy Corgan. I respect him. I appreciate him. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a legend in the rock and roll business as well. But for him to, like, I, I just don't think he's got a proper understanding of AEW or, uh, well, AEW too. Or he sounds salty that we're not all partnering together to take down the machine. Like, he doesn't recognize that AEW's already doing... They have national television. They are selling out... They're basically selling out a stadium. They just set the all-time record, for fuck's sakes. They're selling tickets to arenas every week. They're doing interpromotional business with New Japan in, in, in fucking Mexico and stuff. So... Sounds like Billy's salty and he just wants to play and, and can't. And so he's blaming it on, well, nobody wants to work and everybody's got their head up their ass and worried about their own business. Or maybe you just don't have anything to offer. And that's Billy Corgan's got a lot to offer. He's a very 
well-connected, rich, famous person. Make no mistake about it. But the NWA, not so much. <clears throat> now, I hope they're able to succeed. Billy still has high hopes for the NWA. He wants to turn them into a national promotion, a big televised. He's trying to pitch TV networks and streaming and that kind of shit, he said. He wants to play with the big boys and thinks that he has an alternative product that the other two companies haven't hit yet. The real guys, the tough guys, <clears throat> the stuff that just hits harder, as he described it. Could be. I don't know. I don't see a lot in the NWA that I like, you know, and the people that do come up through there are just going to end up getting plucked away and signed to the, the major promotions, as they should be. A Camille, I think Camille's got a place in a larger promotion. Um, Damian Sandow is even doing a pretty good job still, you know. He'd be a great manager. He's not wrestling as much now. But you get the point. I think Billy is either delusional or he's just being a grandiose marketer, and that's fine too, as he should be. He should be that promoter that thinks he's on the level of everybody else. But really, they're low tier, man. I mean, they're not your fucking shit bum corner store bodega indie in some guy's garage with lawn chairs out in the crowd, but they're not. I, I I don't even think they're Ring of Honor. They're a notch below. They're either equal to or a notch below Ring of Honor. To be a hundred percent honest with you, I guess as far as their exposure and everything, but you get my point. Long ways to go, but hell, he, if he gets that TV deal, he could sign away. He could sign up uh, some more, uh, some better talent. He did say that he doesn't like that NWA is looked at as a nostalgia act and that he's actively looking to bring it to the modern era and be a competitor. So we shall see. But as for this big super show, I think uh, Corgan's a little bit delusional on this one. But let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And I'm going to go ahead, smash my neighbor's pumpkins and move on to the next. Well, I was in attendance in Detroit at Ford Field to see Brock Lesnar throw Cody Rhodes around like a goddamn ragdoll. And I tell you, I have never seen a wrestler more over in my entire life. I did do a review of SummerSlam, an in-person review. It is in the podcast feed if you're listening to the podcast. And it is in the uh, video archives if you're watching on YouTube. Highly recommend if you're interested in checking out that whole experience. But I was there, and I, I'm here to tell you that Cody Rhodes was over like a motherfucker there. He was a huge star, babyface as babyface gets. And he was up against the beast incarnate, the monster, Brock Lesnar. And boy, let me fucking tell you, he got his ass handed to him. But in the end, Cody survived. And got the one, two, three. And got the tap out. Was it a tap out? It was a tap out. I don't even remember anymore. Doesn't matter. What mattered was at the end, Cody got the win. And then it was Brock who came back over to him, apparently completely unplanned, unannounced, unknown to Cody what was going to happen. Got in his face, gave him that little headbutt you see there on the thing thing. But then shook his hand and held it in the air. 
Cody Rhodes has his thoughts on Brock Lesnar as he was asked about this on my mom's basement. Some sort of bar stool interview thing. I've heard about it before. I shouldn't say some sort of like I don't know what it is. Just some fun gimmick of a dude. I don't know if he actually interviews people in his mom's basement, but that's the gist of it. Just a younger guy interviewing people in his mom's basement. Check out this clip. I'd be remiss not to ask you, what's it like to get thrown around like a baby by Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar uh, throwing you around. I mean, the first thing I I really take from it is I he's manhandling people. Yeah. When you're a grown-up, you don't feel like being manhandled anymore. You've been in an industry where we're vying for leverage and grappling with one another. You don't want to be manhandled. That guy gets everybody. He's that strong. But the thing about him is is that's scary. The thing about him that's genuinely scary is how quick he is. And I think people who watched him in the UFC saw how quick he was. But seeing how quick he is at his age and at this level, just I actually feel like he's never been better. And I was so glad that we got to have three together and that I was able to get two wins out of it at this point in his uh, a career. I said this in the press conference after SummerSlam. I don't want to ruin the lore or the allure or the mystique, and I don't think I could of Brock Lesnar. But I will say, if you've heard negative things about Brock Lesnar, I, I take them with a grain of salt because I feel like when he's gone from this, he'll be greatly missed for how unique and professional and just somebody who's going to make you earn every centimeter you get. That's a psychology that some of this doesn't have anymore. And to be able to feel that and understand that and learn from that. Yeah, absolutely. A unicorn. He is a, unicorn in the business just special and i don't ever want to wrestle him again i don't uh but uh it was a hell of a learning experience i've seen and heard a lot more of this myself with brock lesnar there was that uh, video floating around out there of brock lesnar on stage with some country music guy i don't follow the country music but uh so i don't know if he's a huge star or not but brock's on stage he's got his cowboy hat he's singing into the microphone and stuff having a good old boy good time uh bruce pritchard just told a story on his podcast about when brock broke his face doing a backstage skip breaking through a wall or some shit like the kool-aid man Broke Bruce's face, was super sorry, apologetic, sent him a bunch of seafood and shit. Um, I know there was another story recently about Brock Lesnar as well that uh, I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but everybody seems to... Uh, oh, it was Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was talking about Brock last week on his podcast, and he talked about how, how big of a sweetheart Brock was backstage and how kind he was and how like willing to just you know he wasn't like combative or like you know he, he was very e easily coachable and and easy to get along with and chill and uh, a lot of people just painting a completely different picture of brock as a matter of fact the only person that's really painted the picture of brock being difficult to work with is john moxley as far as i'm aware and uh i mean <laughs> 
if you've seen what John Moxley has done in AEW, and look, I don't mind. I'm not a Jim Cornette guy where I think it's all a big fucking farce or anything. But it's overkill. We could have a lot less of that. It's getting played out. But if Moxley was trying to do all that shit in a match with Brock, I can see why Brock's like, no, dude, no. Suplex City and then bye. But you can't tell me, like, Brock doesn't, he's not, he's one of the greatest talents to ever do it, period. Both on a believability level, like, just the fact, his history, the UFC, all of that shit, the believability factor of Brock Lesnar, he's a beast incarnate, he's an animal. He's dangerous looking. Like, if you're ever gonna, like, he's the last human on the planet you'd want to be, like, Right, even though there's other guys that have beat him up in the UFC or whatever, like when you think about like all the guys in the world, if, there, if somebody throws you in like a pit with Brock Lesnar and he's just slobbering and just bouncing around and ready to get you, <laughs> he's gonna get you. <coughs> there's no uh, being a tough guy with Brock Lesnar. He's he's gonna fuck you up big time. So that's fun. Um, Cody Rhodes, uh, on his way to superstardom, he is the biggest baby face in the company. And I have no doubt that ha- does he go to WrestleMania main event, take the world title? I think he should the WWE title. I think that's what he needs to do. He needs to do Royal Rumble too, but he needs to do Royal Rumble from like one to the end, earn it, get his title match again, be laughed at told he can't do it again. Finish the story. That's the story. Cody Rhodes is a huge baby face. Huge match with Brock Lesnar. Brock put him over like a million bucks. Endorsed him. Anointed him as the man. And Cody Rhodes moves forward to his next opponent. What do you think? What did you think of that match? What do you think of Brock in general? Do you believe more of the vibes where he's difficult to work with and kind of a pain in the ass? Or do you hear that uh, you believe, you know, the people that say he's, he's a pretty good dude? Not somebody you want to piss off, but a pretty good dude. Keeps to himself, doesn't want to get involved in drama, but a nice guy overall. What are your thoughts? Down in the comments below, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Rob Van Dam recently made a hell of a return to televised wrestling when he popped up on AEW Dynamite. Had his match with Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Hollywood Jack Perry. That douchebag stuck up little pretty boy with the jungle hair. Look, Rob Van Dam looked decent. Lost a step or two for sure, but uh, we all do when we get older. For Rob Van Dam, he's still in good shape, can still go, still has a personality, still a draw. And he was uh, being interviewed by Denise Salcedo on her podcast, Instinct Culture, which is also a YouTube channel. Check her out. She does fantastic work. She did an interview with Rob Van Dam this week about his time in AEW. And, it, and she asked him not only about the experience in wrestling Jack Perry, but if he is possibly going to be coming back for more work, check out this clip. How did everything come about uh, in terms of getting this appearance for you on AEW? 
Mm, they uh, had this plan for quite a while, actually. It was like towards the beginning of the year that I started getting uh, phone calls uh, saying if I was interested and even available, which, you know, it, it's it's pretty remarkable that so many months later, the first dates that were mentioned were the exact same dates uh, that it fell upon. So that tells me a lot about uh, how far ahead these guys think. But, you know, just like with anything, it's not real until it happens. And so, you know, that's how I took it. Yeah. And when you found out that you were going to be wrestling Jack Perry, what was your reaction to that? Because, you know, obviously he's still, you know, making a name for himself in, in the business. And so for you to get an opportunity to, uh, you know, be part of this, but also get to wrestle Jack Perry, what was all that like? Um, it was it was really cool. Um, you know, there's a everybody grew up watching RVD. I mean, I hear that all day, every day. So I'm very familiar in, uh, with that. And um what was really cool about Jack Perry was, you know, he really wanted this match, you know, so he was a real um, fan, um, <clears throat> maybe of the whole hardcore extreme style or whatever, you know, so it was uh, it was really like an organic fit. And um, <clears throat> with Jack being uh, so extra um, uh, excited about about this particular matchup, you know, that that just made it like that much better. By the way, um, I, I met him when he was a little kid one time when we were at the Staples Center in L.A., probably 2001, maybe 2002, um, when I was with WWE. I remember meeting his dad because he was a big star. Uh, 90210 was like um, – it was one of the top shows. Um, Luke, Luke had uh, Jack with him, you know, when he was just a little kid. So that was a long time ago. But I, 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 I probably probably should have kicked him. I should should have kicked him in the head back then. But <laughs> I didn't think about it. Uh, coming from a fan's perspective, I was like, "Damn, I want to see more of RVD in AEW." Now I know everyone's probably been asking you, "Hey, are you going to come and do more? Are you going to come and do more?" Uh, so I'm going to ask you the same thing: Are you going to? Is the opportunity there? Do you want to? Um, you know, did uh. Did Tony and I talk about possibly doing something again? Yes, we did. Um, any specific results to report from that that or any other related conversations? We'll just have to wait and see. I actually would love to see Rob Van Dam come back and work, not regularly, but once in a while. I think AEW does very good. They, they have great use of legends and older talents um, <clears throat> in most cases. I don't think the Hardys are being booked as well as they could be. <clears throat> but Jeff Jarrett, for example, I look, I, I hate Jeff Jarrett and everything about him, but... I think his, and I was very salty about him having a chance on the show, but he's been doing great. I think the use of Jeff Jarrett has been very good. So, look, if they can get Rob Van Dam on from time to time and he's putting over younger guys, getting himself a couple wins here and there, whatever, uh, just keeping his name out there, it wouldn't hurt to be able to monetize him in some way, get him on the video game, that kind of shit. Uh, it's definitely not bad for the business, but... If Rob is going to stick around, he's got to get over that huge hurdle 
of having beef with the Young Bucks. Unless he's on collision, of course. Then he'll be welcomed with open arms. But there's that pesky beef between Rob Van Dam and the Young Bucks. And Rob Van Dam was quick to address that on his podcast, One of a Kind. If you didn't know, Rob Van Dam does have a podcast. It's newer. It's called One of a Kind. It's hosted by Dominic D'Angelo. Is that his name? And uh, just hangs out and talks with Rob. Talks a lot of weed stuff, of course. Why wouldn't they? But it was in this particular clip right here, Rob Van Dam addressed all the comments about this so-called beef with the Young Bucks and the AEW locker room. Check out this clip. Any other thoughts you want to give about AEW or your experience or anything that I might have missed that I didn't cover? Um, um, nothing out to you that you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I want to definitely mention this. Or Yeah, um, everybody that uh, all the marks that think that uh, RVD should be experiencing every AEW wrestler turning their back on me because I said all petite wrestling, eat a dick. Eat a dick. <laughs> that might be, I might I be. Don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I doubt they give a fuck. Right. You know? Someone said, what about his heat with the Bucks? What heat with I, the That's Bucks? what I thought. I was like, somebody, that guy that called me a smiley goon, he was like, why isn't he asking about the Bucks? And I was like, why, why do I ask about the Bucks? I didn't even know there was an issue. Do you know what that is about or no? Because I can tell you it. Online? Yeah, let me, tell me, because I wasn't. No, it was just, I said something um, about how they, when they walked by me, I guess in WWE, how they didn't uh, introduce themselves, you know, which to old school rules, you know, that that was a, um, I don't know if I want to call it a commandment. I guess it is actually, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the, uh, one of the biblical commandments of the dressing room, uh, especially when you're new or, or, or you're, you know, don't know everybody, you're supposed to introduce yourself uh, a certain way, uh, protocol, just like the fucking mafia, you know, to, uh, a made man cannot introduce himself to another made man as a made man. He has to be introduced by someone else in the middle. And we had our protocols too. And anyway, I just pointed that out, you know, said, Hey, they, you know, they didn't shake my hand or whatever. Um, but, but I also did throw in something that was, that w- that could be taken uh, as an insult, which I didn't own up to at first because I was like, all I said was they didn't shake my hand, but I did say something about them looking like two high schoolers. So that was, that was something, you know, that was provoking, you know, looking back at it. Um, I don't think I even realized it when I said it, or maybe I did, but either way. Um, and then they they did the same thing a couple nights later or something to Booker T. And then Booker T posted something about, I see what my friend Rob's talking about. You will shake my hand next time you walk by me, you know, something like that. And then Goldust had the same experience. And then he said something about it. And then... Um, and then I saw um, while these two guys were in Japan, they're doing uh, they're doing one of them is doing the RVD thing when they come out, and the other one's doing like doing Booker. The Booker, yeah, yeah. The time. I thought that was great. Yeah. That's but that's the whole heat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. That I know of anyway. Hmm. It's just like oh man, people got to get over this shit. <laughs> I thought that was great that they did. They were capitalizing on it like that. <laughs> right. I had almost forgot about this completely when I heard RVD was going to be at uh, Dynamite 
Well, I didn't hear. I mean, he made his, what, a surprise appearance. Then, knowing that he was going to show up the next week, it had never even occurred to me that he might not be welcome there. But I do remember once he brought it up, I remember his comments about uh, the all petite and everybody being small at AEW. Because even Rob Van Dam is a bigger guy. You know, a smaller guy in his time of professional wrestling, but he's he's a bigger guy. Um, and then the beef with the Young Bucks. I do very specifically remember this being an issue. Uh, I think it was, uh, I think the Bucks wrote about it in their book, too, as a matter of fact. Maybe that's where I remember hearing about it being an issue. Uh, but I do believe it was on a podcast somewhere before. I'd heard about it, but I'd forgotten about it completely. The Young Bucks wrote about it in their book. Um, but yeah, there was the incident where they just, they weren't shaking motherfuckers' hands. And you know, you got to shake motherfuckers' hands in, our, in professional wrestling. That is a thing. And, uh, you know, the way that Rob puts it, you know, it makes sense. It's not like a, res- it is a respect thing, but it's more, it's the code of the wrestler. It's just the way of the locker room. That's all. It's just tradition. That's just what you do. Uh, the Young Bucks have made an entire career, though, of breaking and tradition and bucking tradition. It's kind of their gimmick is to be the anti-tradition, the anti, the rule breakers of professional wrestling. You know, they break the fourth wall of naming their moves after their fucking after <laughs> after the uh, the the journalist that rates their matches and and. All the other silly stuff that they do. I mean, they make a complete mockery out of wrestling, yet they're huge stars in wrestling, draw a lot of money in wrestling, and have had a fantastic career in wrestling. They don't bother me any, but that's their shtick, right? They, they, and that's why Cornette hates them with such a fucking passion and vigor. But it doesn't sound like there's any other issues with Rob Van Dam and the Young Bucks. Certainly, they would not have been, uh, RVD would not have been allowed on Dynamite had that been the case because we all know how the Young Bucks can be petty. And they can be, you know, anti-fucking, we don't want you on our show because you talk shit about us back in the day. So, um, seems like it's all water under the bridge and a bunch of internet bullshit chatter. Rob Van Dam looks great at his age. Lost a step, like I said, but still phenomenal overall. Fun to see him out there. I'm a big fan of Rob. I like Rob overall. He seems fairly cool. A little uh, stiff or awkward or weird at times. Very, like, pro-weed. Like, I love weed. Don't get me wrong. But Rob's one of those guys that, you know, it's... It's cannabis and it has medicinal uses and uh, it's very good for you and all these different like your okay, bro. You smoke weed and catch a buzz. I get you. Um, but other than that, worth going out of your way to check out the one of a kind podcast at some point in time. See what it's like listening to Rob in long form. Denise Salcedo props to her at the beginning of the clip. The other clip there. Um, she does great work as well. All those links in the description below. What did you think of Rob Van Dam's return? What do you think a return of the older guys in general, the use of legends like him, like a Jeff Jarrett, like anybody else that might come along the way? Do you like the use of legends? Do you think it should be a young man's business only? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Would you have used them differently? Not put them against Jack Perry. 
comments below. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Woo. That's it. That's all I got for you this week. Fuck, it's hot and sweaty and muggy and gross and disgusting. Another podcast in the can, episode 87, as we keep trucking towards 100. And we keep trucking towards those 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Once I get there, I can monetize this bitch and make all the monies, as Dan Housen would say. Where's Dan Housen been? Hurt still, right? Fuck. What'd you think? What'd you think of this week in the world of pro wrestling? All the fun stuff going on, all the drama going on, leading into the big all-in event, the lacklusterness. It is quite the time to be a pro wrestling fan. I, I just love it. I love being even on the periphery of this business, uh, just getting to talk about it and stuff with you guys. Never, ever gets old. I appreciate you all hanging out with me here. Uh, another plug for my socials, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter at Seth Grimes Media, or is that X now? Facebook, TikTok, and X. I don't know. I don't know. Why would you change the name? Like, I'm not anti-Elon. I'm not one of those people. But like, Or anti-Twitter, for that matter. But, like, why would you change the name? Twitter's already got his tweets. You, you send a tweet not an X. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I just don't, sometimes you don't need to rebrand shit. That's all I'm saying. You know, uh, you can stick with what works and you change the look and the vibe and everything about it, but keep the bird, keep the Twitter, keep the tweets. It's iconic. But uh, anyway, I digress. I'm going to go ahead and get the fuck out of here. I got to edit this bitch and get it uploaded and all that other pretty stuff. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast.